You're listening to Supervision with a Vision, where we discuss all things supervision. I'm your host, Sarah, professional counselor, marriage and family therapist, play therapist, eating disorder specialist, and cookie lover, with my co-host, Heather, marriage and family therapist, certified together in Texas counselor, a Texas transplant from California, and outdoor adventurer. Hi, welcome to Supervision with a Vision. Today, we're talking about group supervision. This week, we read, How Do Your Family and Friends Affect Your Health? Published in Psychology Today 2023. That's right. Yeah. Um, so it is a little bit of a twist on our article. We're, mm-hmm. we're um, focusing on group supervision. But um, we did want to say to all of our listeners that we are really excited um, about our 100th episode. Yes, it was great fun. And I hope that we have another 100. Oh, yeah. Or several. Hundred. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're talking about group supervision. And Heather, the first point in our article that we read this week was that positive social relationships increase functioning. Right. Do you think that do you find that to be true? In, in group supervision situations you've been involved in? Absolutely. And I think they grow, right? Like the positive, um, the more connective your group is when you're leading a group of supervision, the, at the beginning, it won't feel this way, but towards the middle ground or towards like even towards Mm -hmm. the end of group supervision, it starts to grow because you kind of know what each dynamic role is in the group or like you have someone that always asks about this kind of client. Yeah. Have you experienced that as the, as a supervisee or as a supervisor that maybe that you were slow to get started and then it kind of the, the productivity or the benefits like ramped up? Yes. I think probably actually the last group supervision that I ran, it's been a couple of years since I ran an actual group supervision with, well, I guess more than two as a group, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, that really it started out like a hodgepodge. It was from not just my convenience, but I had um, enough supervisees that all needed certain timing. And it ended up that I was doing supervision like all day on Fridays. Oh, and it was just a lot. Like it was a lot to like fit that in, but they all were at different stages. And at the beginning it was kind of awkward. No one knew each other. Mm. The only thing we had in common was me. There wasn't a lot of other like connective stuff, Mm -hmm. but after we got on a roll and actually one of the things I did at the very beginning is we all had lunch together. Oh, that's our, nice. Just to kind yeah. of like break, like, who are these people that sure. you're talking to? Uh-huh. But um, that was kind of a way to start. And then it kind of grew, like mm-hmm. starting to rely on each other. They could call each other, not just me for right. input. You know, you know, I hadn't thought of it in the same way until you were describing that. But um, my cohort in my doctoral program, I felt like was a lot like that. Oh, yeah. That makes you know? sense. Yeah. That, um, we started out strangers. Mm-hmm. And actually, the the going to lunch made me think the very first day we met each other, the school coordinated that we would have a nice dinner with our faculty. Nice. It was really yeah. nice. Um, and we did kind of all meet and go. You know what it makes me think of, too? Um, what did the, what was the beginning part of MTV, oh. the real world, mm-hmm. <laughs> something like when strangers meet, meet yeah. <laughs> and yeah, whatever the little uh, catchphrase was for the show, right. but yeah, we all met and it, we, you know, we were being polite or careful or right. kind of uncertain. And then in the course of time that we worked together, which, you know, as a group, we worked together for two or three years, right. um, with that newness broke down and we were more productive. Right. And everyone finds like their role within the group. It may mm. not always be like rigid and defined, but everyone kind of finds people's personalities come out. People, you know. Yeah, I agree. Actually, I mean, I hate to say my cohort doesn't 
we, we don't work together in the same way anymore. But right. just a week ago, I called someone, uh, an old classmate. And just like you're describing, I, I said, you're my go-to person for yes. this. Right. So I have a question. Right. And, and she was exactly, she was great for that. She answered and gave me feedback and, um, and she was the person to mm-hmm. go to for that kind of question. Absolutely. Um, so I feel like we, um, what about, I, I think, um, that process is not always easy no. to get to the point where you have this great social relationships that increase your functioning. Right. It can be rocky. Right. And there's pitfalls along the way too. I mean, mm-hmm. I was asked by my supervisor when I was a supervisee to join a group that he was leading. And I went the first time and I went, Oh, not really for me. Nope. And he mm. said, Oh, I'd really like you to continue that. And I tried, uh-huh. <laughs> but it was just, I was, at a different point in my life personally than the rest of the group was. Mm -hmm. And I was so different from them Mm -hmm. that it just didn't, it, what might've been okay clinically, but it wasn't going to work for my schedule anyway. It just ended up not where it was kind of like one of those like, Oh, it just didn't work out, but right. It can be. Well, and I, I was thinking that uh, within my cohort, but other groups that I've either supervised or, or been a supervisee in, Mm -hmm. um, I think it's nice when when you, the group has different perspectives because either like my friend who I called this past week, right. she could give me feedback that somebody else could, or she had an yes. expertise that I don't have and right. that I was looking for. But also I, one of the very first groups that I was in as a supervisee, I actually was toward nearing the end of my hours in school and the, the site that I was at got a new student mm-hmm. and she joined the group with me, yeah. you know, so I was almost done with that part. Right. And she was just starting out and it was helpful to me to hear her questions and think, Oh yeah. Right. Um, or even realize, Oh, I asked that question mm-hmm. and now look how, right. wow. I, I wouldn't have known. And I, and by myself that I've grown so much or that right. so much has changed. Um, so I think sometimes it's helpful to me mm-hmm. or the benefit of a group situation that you get to hear different perspectives or someone else has a different expertise than right. you would have thought of before. Well, in the comparison with the article, it really does lead back to like families and friends that you keep people around mm-hmm. you for those reasons. I think colleagues, especially in mental health, we have right. our people we reach out to that we know this person knows about this really well, or this person will tell me exactly how it is, like mm-hmm. without feeling like they have to sugarcoat right. it or be nice or, yeah. you know. Have you, I don't know if I've talked about it in the podcast before. Have I talked about the developing counselor or the developing clinician? I can't remember. I don't think you have talked about it on podcast, but you've talked Um, to me about it before. Yeah. Um, It is a textbook, so not worth going out. Right. (laughs) Not a fun read. Right. And now, now, it's probably a pretty dated textbook also, Um, but I was required to read it at some point. And there are basically three sections. They interviewed qualitatively um, counselors one to three years out of school, counselors five to seven years out of school, and counselors 30, 30 or 35 plus years right. out of school. Okay. And so I, when I was required to read it, I went, yeah. I'm already, I'm, I am the first group. Right. I don't want to read that section. Right. And so I skipped to the last section and all of these people were interviewed qualitatively separate from each other. So they didn't okay. know each other um, and they weren't interviewed at the same time. So okay. the answers they got were pretty unique and, right. and um, unaffected by the other person's mm-hmm. answers. 
every single one of them said, build a network. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and they talked about in really sweet detail um, what that had meant to them over the years mm-hmm. and how they used it. And because they were 35 plus years out of school, they said that a lot of their network um, had died. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, they're like, and right. even the way they said that, too, was like, I mean, realistically, it's going to happen. We're old. Right. So um, they had uh, they said that they would continue their routines with their friends even after they passed away. Mm-hmm. So that, that more than one of them said that they still held the same routine and would go get coffee okay. on Friday mornings mm-hmm. and pretend that they were sitting with their peer. Right. And, and then do like a client consultation and right. get the and get this benefit out of oh if she were here I know she would tell me right she would tell me to look at it from this perspective yeah, and right. hadn't thought about this yeah right um so I th- I mean that in a case study right. of itself is emphasizing that you know the positive relationships right. are really increase our effectiveness mm-hmm. or functioning as a counselor do you think um, there's the potential for that in group supervision that through that, you start to build a network? I think you do because, I mean, I know even at our office, like where, uh, with my colleagues that I work at, we will say to each other, hey, who do you know that will do this and this? And if they give me back the same person I already know, well then, oh, they're full or they can't do, you know, who else do you know that I'm not thinking of? And Mm -hmm. so it does quickly, once you make that connection, you continue to build like, oh, I liked what I got back, Mm right? You know, Mm -hmm. so. I think my... My cohort, my PhD cohort, we've done that. And it's, I'm, I was surprised. I, the first time it happened when someone said, I know this is such a long shot, but who do you know in the state of New York that does this? And I went, I know, someone. I actually yeah. do know someone and mm-hmm. I actually know that they know people. So right. let me get you. I mean, I was surprised and it was a benefit. So, mm-hmm. um, but I think even networking for the sake of maybe not, uh, referrals or sending people, pe- uh, sending clients to people, but, um, like broadening your knowledge. Right. Like thinking outside the box of like, well, this is what I know, but who can teach me this? Or mm-hmm. what could I learn from paying attention to the, you know, this mm-hmm. person's talking in a group about this. I need to zone in on it. And Yeah. Okay. Heather, the next point in the article was uh, that isolation hinders growth. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I mean, I think that is why my supervisor wanted me to join that group. Yeah. <laughs> but mm, a gentle nudge. Nudge, like was, nudge, go. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I can see that if you're only meeting, I mean, a lot of people do this. They only meet with their supervisor. They don't have group supervision at all. Either it doesn't fit in the schedule for them or their supervisor or whatever. Maybe it's not even offered. Mm-hmm. But you're only getting that direct feedback. It'd be like learning math and only having um, one math teacher. Yeah. And they do it this way. Yeah. And then... You learn later, you can do it a different way. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Coaching Conversation 2024. This podcast is 100% dedicated to leadership and leadership within the workplace coaching area. We work with companies throughout the world teaching leaders how to coach their employees. This podcast is dedicated to teaching specific strategies, frameworks, coaching models, and now artificial intelligent strategies to help leaders drive greater teamwork, collaboration, cooperation, greater attitudes, better motivation, coaching career development, just to name a few. I hope you'll check out our podcast. 
I don't know what that, what was that, that to me in my mind, that looks like a, like mind mapping or some kind of diagram that you in the middle and just one little line between yep. you and your supervisor back and, forth, back, and back, and back and forth. And that's it. Right. Versus you in the middle and a spider web of people that you. Right. That you have. Connect to. with mm-hmm. either directly or indirectly right. or that it ha- you have interaction with them on a regular basis and the kind of. Um, feedback, information, support. Mm-hmm. I feel like we skipped that when we're talking we about did. social right. relationships. That the support that you get in a group is so important. So, um, when I think what the the idea that I think of instantly when I think about isolation <clears throat> hindering growth, I think about how isolating private practice can be. Very. You have to be very conscious about not letting it mm-hmm. be isolating. Well, and I think you have done that in. Mm-hmm. Um, that the way that you began private practice, you were already part of a little network right. that supported each other in mm-hmm. lots of different ways. Um, I thought that, that that I did that. I don't think that I emphasized that enough mm. when I started private practice. I wasn't sharing an office with anybody. Well, I was subleasing an office from someone. Mm. But the ben- the way that that worked was the days they weren't there, when I was there. there. So, right. You were there by yourself. Right. right. So I was alone in that. Right. And, um, alone and went from lots of coworkers all the time at an agency to mm-hmm. none. Right. Um, and I do think I, I kind of joke that counselors that operate like that for a long period of time can really start to do some weird things. I, do. I, I don't think it's a joke. <laughs> I think it's like just a truth yeah. <laughs> um, that you, you don't get feedback from other counselors or you don't get, you, you don't get to see a model or an example of what other counselors are doing. And I think it just can become confusing. Right. I, I know that this is sprung off into maybe what will be another podcast topic, mm. but one of the things that I think when you're in that set, like it's so easy for you to be like, this is a marriage session. And in marriage session, I do oh, this and I yeah. then do this and huh. not well, get any feedback. <laughs> so I I like that because also actually I was thinking the opposite that the in isolation, the weird stuff that you oh, start to do yeah. is way, way outside the box or oh, yeah. like really not oh, I, yeah. reasonable. I'm like but, saying it could get stale. <laughs> yes, I think so too, that you, you're kind of mailing it in right. and this is how I always do it. And you don't get new creative ideas. Um, I actually went to a networking event last night. Um, Someone hosted a dinner for eating disorder professionals. And someone was talking about doing, starting online EMDR training. Huh. Which, I mean, that's popular now. But but this person was trying to think of how they could improve on it or meet people's needs differently or in Mm -hmm. a better way. And um, they said, so I was thinking, you know, usually it's like the, you know, the basic training is a whole weekend long. Right. And so usually online, it's like 40 or 50 people Mm -hmm. for a whole weekend and you're live and Mm -hmm. it, and this person thought, well, that's overwhelming and you don't really get to have personal connection. It's actually so big that you're isolated Right. Because it's such a big group. Right. And so their idea was to have just like four or five. Oh. And I went, well, that's cool. But also, what if one of the five is so annoying? Yeah, that is so apparent. And then, right, then you're really stuck in this really small group interacting with this, you know. Right. And when I said that, they went, 
That is so true. So even just that little exchange that they went home and went, I'm going to keep thinking about that. What's right. the right balance? What's the number? <laughs> it's got to be more than and five. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that it can go one of, you know, many ways, right. but it could become way too loose and outside the box and maybe not careful. Yes. Or the opposite extreme, way too inside the mm-hmm. box, way too careful, right. way too... Um, inflexible or or Absolutely. like you said the word you use the word creative right like you start to lose the creativity that you might gain from other from yeah. being around other people right and that could just be even being around people just as you're eating your lunch or as you're just mm-hmm. in the building with somebody else yeah. just the casual talk you would have doesn't have to be super clinical right i mean i think even um so now i am in a private practice situation where there are people around me um to me th- i think that those casual interactions do make a big difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, a group group supervision setting makes a big difference, right. but even the opportunity, you know, at the beginning or end of supervision or in passing in the office to go, whoa, right. my client, my had like a whole handful of really heavy sessions today. Right. Whoa. That someone else might not really understand what that means or be able to, but a colleague does right yeah, to be supportive in that way. Right. Um, but also even like the creativity, like maybe I'm, um, you know, I did this the other week. Um, I have, a, I'm working with a younger kid w- with a diagnosis of ARFID and we did a food experiment where we created our own trail mix. Oh, fun. Okay. As a way of touching and playing with mm-hmm. food, trying different flavors, right. putting things together, um, and the per, you know, I'm in the kitchen, kind of getting all my stuff ready for that <laughs> session. And somebody went, "What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, what is happening? Yeah, over what there? kind of mess are you right. making for lunch?" And I'm like, "No, no, it's not lunch. Mm-hmm. It's a set." And explained, and they went, "Oh!" And right. and while they don't work with clients exactly like the clients I work with, it still is a way to think outside the box, or right. maybe. And they went, you know, their reaction was. I would not have thought of it like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I went, I actually don't care if they eat this trail mix. Right. This is about the experience. Because there's right. a lot of components to the mm-hmm. activity. Um. So, yeah, I think that you can get really loose with the rules. Right. Or you can get too restrictive with mm-hmm. the rules. and Easily. When you're on your own and not getting any interaction with other people. Right. Yeah. Okay. The last point in our article, um, and I think we've. I feel like we've come to this kind of yeah. naturally. The last point in the article is uh, quality is more important than quantity. Right. And I do think that when you have a good group, whether it is a supervision group or it can be a group of colleagues that you're getting consultation mm-hmm. from or whatever, yeah. knowing the people that are there and that are meshed well together is more mm-hmm. important that, that you're getting the feedback you get will have right. more substance, more you know, then yeah. just being every week we have group supervision at this time, it, it would be something you just check off the list and go. Right. Or even when you're creating your own network, you do, you, you obviously you handpick those people. Right. It isn't just, well, your office is, you know, half a mile from mine and there's a coffee shop in between. So mm-hmm. we're now friends. Right. The end. Right. <laughs> um, but that in some way you complement each other or support mm-hmm. each other in a way that works for both of you. Right. Um, what about you? And you, I don't wonder if this is kind of what you mean, um, with, you know, group supervision every week. What if that was the emphasis, the emphasis just on meeting as a group 
And what you do during that group time isn't all that mm, beneficial. Right. I can see that being. Mm-hmm. And that maybe you emphasize the importance of group supervision to the point where you all you aren't also sometimes getting individualized support. Right. That it there's a I balance just, there. Yeah. As you were talking, I just remembered something. I was in this group a long, long time ago when I was supervisee that it met every week. It was group supervision, but it wasn't really group supervision. Uh-huh. It was one person was on every week. Everyone else was present. Oh. But like you only yeah. had to really present. I love that. I, well, I love that as an example because right. you miss the value you or the quality right. of group. the group. Right. And I hated it. Yeah. Apparently, I don't like group supervision. I mean, I love doing it, but I didn't like it when I was a supervisor. Yeah. Maybe I just had bad experiences. Yeah. Huh. Um, I'm thinking uh, when I am a group supervisor, le- when I'm the leader of right. the group, I feel like I'm trying to uh, corral a little bit the group yes. so that the whole time isn't spent just being social and chatty mm-hmm. because I, mm-hmm. then I think we miss some of the right. value, right. not all of it. There, there's room for some of that, right. That you catch up or go, Hey, how are you? Mm-hmm. Or it's been a while mm-hmm. or that, that kind of stuff. But if the whole time is unstructured and chatty like that, then you end up missing the yes. quality that yes. could happen. Right. One of my early group supervisions that I led, we ended up meeting for an hour and 15 minutes so that we had a block of time to get over the, Oh, how are you? What did sure. you guys do? Yeah. Did you try this new restaurant? Did you do this? Uh-huh. Did, you know, and then be like, okay, guys, it's time to start and get yeah. that time. Yeah. So there is, um, well, there's a balance, right? There's a balance mm-hmm. between the number of people, the amount of time you spend, how often you meet right. so that you hit the sweet spot and you get the most value out mm-hmm. of group supervision versus doing it, like going through the motion. Right. Just like showing up when you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. You're not on this week, so you don't have to talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, could we, I mean, those are the points in our article. I wonder if we could, um, both you and I talk or give some specifics on um, a group supervision idea that we'd love to try Ooh, yeah. or something that we're doing right now that we really like as a part of group supervision. Um, I um, don't have any group supervision actually happening right now, just due to scheduling. But one of the things that I love to do when I'm leading the group is to ask, like, if I have people working at different locations, like, how would that work at your clinic location if Mm -hmm. this happened? Or how would, like, Mm -hmm. asking them to, like, move thought about it. If you had to be at a place where you only do CBT, how would that work? Mm-hmm. Um, just because it gets the person that isn't it, that isn't their client they're talking about. It's, you know, the other, right. It forces client. them to right. think from a different perspective. Right. Yeah. Um, I I've talked about it a little bit before in my group supervision uh, for about a year now I've had, uh, when we meet as a group, everyone comes with a resource that they're going to share in mm-hmm. addition to client and right. you know, we're going to all talk about a client. But they also come with a resource, like a training they took, a book they're reading. An article, something. That, right. Okay. Um, a community resource that they found mm-hmm. useful that they can share. And some, I think some of what you're describing happens occasionally, that maybe the resource someone brings is specific to their setting. Right. And or specific to the population that they work with a lot and still applicable to everybody. Maybe, for for example, um, someone said, I found this great um, community clinic that will see people with no insurance or Medicaid. Right. And it's 
you know, the wait list is not long. Right. And they said, that's super helpful to me because I have clients who Mm -hmm. are uninsured. Right. And then they share it and there's enough other people in the group that go, I don't know if I'd use that all the time, but I'm writing that down. That's going to be good information. Right. Um, The thing that I think I'd like to try out, and this might take the right group. Mm -hmm. um, So I might have to wait a while. I would like, once I have a group made up of supervisees that I think are a little advanced or kind of ending right. their getting closer to the end of their supervision hours. I would like to start me for me to the leader to start the group, but be able to hand off the leadership of the group to different people. Oh, I like that. And that they can facilitate or mm-hmm. conduct the, and they might not be the person who feels responsible for giving all the feedback or or redirecting right. feedback, but right. that they're the, per- they kind of help facilitate the group. Right. Maybe co-facilitate with me. Would right. Be my different way of doing it. You think it? you would rotate that every time or would you go like for like a, like this block? I of- think I would go every time. Okay. Just based on where like, they were at in there. Mm-hmm. I'd like that. I don't know. Something I, th- I think I might like to try it. But, uh, well, thanks today for listening to Supervision with a Vision. And as always, we are always interested in hearing new suggestions for uh, episode topics. Thanks.